Welcome back to Get Outside with Kids. Today, we're going to be talking about a slightly different topic. We're going to be talking about living small, and we mean that literally living tiny, but still having big adventures outside. And we have a really special guest with us today who we're excited to talk to. We're excited to have with us today a good friend and another entrepreneur on the line, Kaylee. I actually met Kaylee back when we were taking our prenatal classes for our first children. Um, and I think that was in late 2016. We were in the classes and we were looking for, I mean, I was at least looking for other parents, other caregivers, other moms specifically who would be on maternity leave with me. Little did I know at that time that I'd be making a really, really good friend in that room. And sure enough, we would go on to um, have children. Of course, we're very similar age together um, and have a first few wonderful years together before she left us to move to the Sunshine Coast tier tier. But today we are excited because uh, Kaylee has a very kind of interesting, unique setup, not that unique anymore. She lives in a tiny house and that's becoming, of course, more and more popular, certainly out here on the West Coast. And with that, of course, comes some amazing experiences, but also some challenges. And we want to really talk about how Kaylee uses those challenges and more sees them as, you know, fun ways to get outside and how you can live tiny, but still have very big adventures uh, when you're raising kids. So with that, let's pass it over to Kelly herself. Thank you so much, Jen and Kate, for that lovely introduction. I will say it's such an honor to be on your podcast today of all days, International Women's Day. It's so lovely. Um, I've been listening to this podcast right from the get-go. You guys are awesome and hilarious, and I am so thrilled to be here with you today. And as Jen was mentioning, yeah, we met uh, back before any of us were moms. And uh, Jen and I met first. And then we, Jen introduced me to her great friend, Kate. And Kate and I were like, oh, yeah, of course, we're going to be friends. Because you like recycling too, Kaylee. I like That's recycling. Right. You like recycling. It just <laughs> exactly. is meant to be. So I loved living uh, on the mainland with you guys. But uh, my heart was calling me to the Sunshine Coast. And uh, the way that we decided to get here was by going tiny. And we, we hired an awesome builder, uh, Sunshine Tiny Homes, to build us a tiny house. Tell us about that a little bit more because it's super fascinating. And I think I think we'll get some pictures that we'll share of Kaylee's tiny house because it's beautiful. Uh, but tell us exactly about your house. Like, Just describe it for our, for our listeners right now. But what exactly, like, what does tiny mean? How much square footage? What does the layout look like? Okay, so our tiny house is... 34 feet long by eight and a half feet wide. So we're looking at like, he's just under 300 square feet. So in the 300 square feet, it's um, myself, my husband and our little one. And also our, our cat, Wanda Jellybeans, who is just adorable. And in that space, we have surprisingly, amazingly, we have enough space for everything we need. We've got an office, which I work in most of the time, which is also like our kind of like a parent's den, I would say. We've got a full kitchen, like everything you need. We've cooked an entire turkey dinner in there. Uh, we've got a dining room with a little fold-up table that sits the three of us perfectly. We've got a living room and then we have two lofts for one for our daughter's bedroom and one for our bedroom. And of course, there's a bathroom as well, which I would hope everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's also a bath. Oh, thank uh, goodness. Phew. Yeah. And we were working towards living tiny for quite some time before 
we actually made the move. We had been downsizing from you know our condo down to a much smaller house. We went about half the size of the condo to a small house that we rented for a bit. And then from that house... We went, again, even smaller to the tiny house. So we were kind of um, slowly moving our way through getting rid of the extra stuff that we didn't need and just focusing on those things that we did need. As you can imagine, it's, uh, it's a bit of a different experience living so small. Kaylee, I think people listening who have a almost, an almost five-year-old would be thinking, that's a pretty small amount of space for a five-year-old. Five-year-old's are not known for sort of sitting still. And I'd love to know about the motivation to move from a larger place to a smaller place, knowing the kind of energy that a kid has. What are you going to do with all that energy in a tiny house? Well, that was one of our main motivators for going tiny was we did want to have more time outside. We were coming from a location where we had to go through many doors even to get to the outside. And our dream was just to be able to open the door, be right outside. And so that was a big factor in where we decided to move. And and going tiny, you do have to spend more time outside because you just need that space. And like you said, Kate, kids are growing. They're rambunctious. They've got lots of energy. And at times, they're going to need to just take that energy outside or they will drive you crazy. So a couple things that we do here to kind of encourage the kids to go outside is to make sure we think about like, what are they wearing? What are those clothes that they're wearing to go outside so that they are going to be comfortable and want to stay outside? Layers, those are so important for keeping kids warm and comfortable. And when they're outside, what activities can you encourage them to do? Uh, Some active activities like we're right in the middle of the forest. So our daughter is always playing in her tree fort or, you know, riding bikes, those things that are going to keep them active and moving and keep them warm outside. Jen and I came and visited Kaylee's house a little while ago. And firstly, it is so beautiful. It's the oh, most beautiful you. house that I could imagine. And I can't believe that it's that <laughs> that few square feet because it's just, it has everything you need. First, a couple of things that really stood out to me were like every item that you had in there was so carefully chosen and it meant something to you and it had a purpose and a function and it was supposed to be there versus the junk that lies around <laughs> in many houses and I'm pointing to my own house. That was kind of the, the first thing. And I guess what sort of struck me about that was like kids come with so much gear and so much stuff and so many clothes and boots and shoes and hats and bags. And how have you managed to kind of stay on top of all of that as your kid who must be close to five now, you know, as she moves through the sizes of clothes and as she outgrows things and you look at all the gear, how do you choose what to bring into your house for your kid when you obviously have a lot of interest in getting outdoors and doing a lot of fun things as well? How do you choose all the the things that you're going to bring in? The way that we've structured it is for our daughter's clothes, she has four drawers. And those four drawers include a school clothes drawer, which is like her nicer clothes and also her outdoor forest clothes. So forest clothes. Yes. (laughs) It's just an entire drawer and it's forest clothes. So it's whatever she's going to do. If she's going for a hike, if we're going camping, if she's playing outside, those are the clothes that she's going to wear. And it just helps us stay organized because I can just tell her to go grab some forest clothes and she knows exactly what 
to get. And I don't have to then have so many clothes that we're going through because something's got a stain on it or something's got dirty. The dirty forest clothes are going to be pretty stained and gross. Uh, But that's what they're there for. It's to be able to play outside in those clothes. And then she has her other drawer, which is her nicer clothes, you know, acceptable for being in public. Now, maybe tell us, and this is funny. I wish you guys could see the video recording of this because Kaylee's cat is just attacking her the entire time. So if you're hearing Wanda Jelly Beans wants to be part of International Women's Day. really wants to be on the podcast. Get out of here, cat. Okay. (laughs) She's just obsessed with me. (laughs) I love the breakdown of the drawers idea and sorting. Um, Do you think as a, you know, someone who's spending a lot of time outside, are there a couple of key staples where you're like, we absolutely must have this as kind of a base layer or an item in every size. So we know that as she gets bigger, we'll always need these three things. What would those be for you? First thing, number one on the West Coast, rain pants. So important for kids outside. They're going to sit down in puddles. They need to stay dry because if they're not dry, they're not going to stay outside. And what do we want? You know, get outside with kids and we want them to stay outside for as long as possible because that's where all the fun learning happens. So the brain pants, I think, are key. Warm coat that's like right for the weather. So this is where layers, I think, come in. Real that It's just so important to think about what's the base layer that my kid's wearing to keep them warm? And then what's that up over layer to keep them dry? Even for rain pants, like you can wear a warmer pair of pants underneath your rain pants, and then they're basically snow pants. And you can have these double duty items that work really hard. They're basically like multitasking clothes. Uh, and you can you know, put the layer them on or take off the layers as you need to for the weather that's outside. We're just coming off a West Coast winter, Kaylee. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take a wild guess that even in the winter, a five-year-old still needs to be having some place to burn off the energy. How do you kind of cope with the West Coast winter? For those who don't live here, the Sunshine Coast is where Kaylee lives. is called the Sunshine Coast but it still rains a lot. Yes. So how do you kind of cope with the the very, very wet winters that we have and potential snow? <laughs> we get the kids bundled up and they go outside. These, those are the times where I want the kids to go outside and stay outside. And I'm going to maybe stay inside with my tea and uh, enjoy the nice fireplace in the house. We have a fireplace in the tiny house. Isn't that cool? So since you've been living on the Sunshine Coast for a couple of years now, and certainly your daughter's gotten older, but like how much time do you think she's spending outside currently? And I know you're kind of with a few other kids in your area, which is awesome. And how have you kind of seen her behavior shift or things like that since she's able to just access so much more free playtime outside? That's a great question because we did notice a big difference when we moved from the place we were living in before the tiny house, which was closer to a main road. She wasn't able to go outside on her own as much. And then when we moved to the property that the tiny house is on, there's no road close by. There's a lot more forest area. The property is much larger. So she just had more freedom. And the change in her development and her confidence outside was completely different. Just being able to go outside on her own and explore uh, without the parents being there was, I think, a huge factor in how comfortable she got being outside. That's, you know, not always possible for all people, depending on where you live. You may not be able to just let your child run around outside, but giving them that space and a bit of distance from the parents kind of gets them to entertain themselves outside and it makes them be a bit more creative. 
And I think it just is a great way for kids to explore our beautiful world that we live in. We spoke a couple of weeks ago with an outdoor play specialist, Jane Pilskaldnietis, who was telling us about the importance of outdoor free play and how important it is for it to be child-led. So what you're saying there, I'm really thinking about like, what do our kids do when they go outside? Well, if they go out the front door, they're on a driveway, like a, a shared driveway, and there's a lot of cars that go past there. So we don't tend to let our kids just go on out. But I love the idea that you open the door and you say, okay, kiddo, go explore. <laughs> I'm not coming with you. I can see you and I'm around <laughs> if you need it, but just go. And from what we understood from Jane, there's so much sort of cognitive development that happens when they're led, when those activities are led by themselves rather than by an adult saying, now we're going to join together and we're going to make a mud pie. And the kid's like, I don't really want to do this. So it's just, Mm -hmm. it's such a difference from this kind of urban living where Jen and I are. I love thinking about how, how amazing that would be (laughs) um, because it's just not possible where we live. You may not be able to upend your life and move to a tiny house. Sounds like a dream, but it may not be for everybody, but it's just thinking about what can you do with the circumstances where you're currently living, whether that is city or that is urban, just to encourage more outside time. To Kate's point, being outside alone for where you are may not be safe for your kids, but it could be small weekends. Like what about a small weekend away? We've got some episodes about camping or renting a tiny house. I know Kelly and and her partner actually rented a tiny house to trial it out first where you could kind of explore that. So it could be looking for other opportunities within your kind of day to day life where you do have that kind of open the door and go outside, even if it's just a weekend getaway. You, you know, if you can't upend your, your life and move to the Sunshine Coast, <laughs> highly recommend it. But if that's not for you, there's other ways to incorporate it on a smaller basis as well. Kaylee, one of the things that you and I first kind of connected on was this idea of like waste and sustainability. And I know it's been a big theme in what you've done. I know you've always, ever since I've known you, you've been trying to minimize the amount of, of clutter and things in your house. And you've been interested in buying your kids' clothes secondhand. But you've recently launched a brand new business on the Sunshine Coast, which is kind of bringing this all to life and kind of really growing on this. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about it? I have just started a new business called Coast Kids Reshop here on the Sunshine Coast, which is buying and selling kids secondhand clothes. Because as we know, kids don't wear their clothes for that long and they go grow out of them faster, like in the blink of an eye. And instead of those clothes going to landfills, why not have them instead go back into the community and get to be used again by new kids? So I've started this uh, this website. The response I've got from the Sunshine Coast community has been amazing. I'm I'm just so thrilled to be able to provide clothes to kids who need it rather than see it go to a landfill. And I think a big part of being an outdoor family is that you do need some gear. You need a few different types of gear to adapt to the different weather patterns we see. And sometimes that gear can get expensive, but the, the great thing about kids' clothes is they often don't use them all the way up before they grow out of them. So that item that has been used by multiple kids is still working really hard and it can get passed on to the next kid. When we think about quality clothing, those quality items usually are things that are a little bit can be more expensive. And so if we can pass those things along to the future kids in the community, then that item over time 
becomes less expensive as you as you're using it. Yeah, I, I love that. So we're gonna link to uh, Coast Kids Reshop in our show notes. Well, delivery and local pickup is for Sunshine Coast residents. I I am willing to uh, ship things to people in BC if they would like to shop on the store. But there are awesome local shops in every community. So I would always encourage people to support their local shops before they look elsewhere. But the reason that I decided to start this new endeavor is because the closest secondhand kids store that I knew of was all the way out where you guys are. And it was a seven hour round trip, including a ferry for me to get there. And that just was uh, not really working for me because I did, I do like to shop secondhand and that's pretty important to me. So uh, having to do a seven hour trip to a secondhand store was not working. So I decided to make make a change and make a difference. Yeah. A lot of what Jen and I have talked about whether it's hiking, backpacks, baby carriers, bikes, all this gear, we we often suggest like finding it secondhand um, makes so much sense. And it's the same with kids' clothing, particularly the big ticket items you mentioned, like snowsuits, raincoats, snow pants, rain pants, all that kind of outerwear gear. It just gets so expensive. And your kids, particularly when they're really small, they don't really use it a lot. I'm interested in how we can look after our kids' clothes better. For example, girls' leggings always get holes in them. Every single pair of girls' leggings that I have with my kids have gotten holes in them. But, you know, thinking about this in terms of a sustainability point of view, what do you think are some tips for like how we can make some of our kids' gear last a little bit longer so we can pass it on to another kid? Well, I think, Kate, one of the main things when we're looking at items that maybe are going to get holes in them or they're going to be pretty roughly played in, have those items set aside. That's why I have the forest drawer for my daughter to choose her her outdoor play clothes in because if they do have holes in them, that's okay. She can still play in them and she can still keep using them. If they're stained with blueberry juice or the paints from last week, that's okay because she's just running around in the forest. So keep those items and use them right until they're used up. And then once they're used up, turn them into rags and continue to use them. And then once they've given their time as rags, then maybe it's time to donate them to the landfill. But you can extend the life of certain clothes by making sure your child is wearing their outdoor clothes when they're doing that more rough and tumble play. There's also some clothes that I find just are very likely to get holes in them. Those really thin leggings that we all know about that um, come from maybe some fast fashion companies. I know as soon as I put them on my daughter and she goes out to play, they will be coming home with holes in them. So I don't buy those anymore. In fact, I look for some thicker leggings and I often find them secondhand. So they're not as expensive and they just last longer. They can survive all of those falls and scrapes and they don't get holes in them as easily. Like you said, if you're willing to spend more money upfront, or of course, find an amazing secondhand store in your area, it's actually worth it to do that. If you are spending, if you're buying the leggings. And there's nothing wrong with that. We've all bought the $5 leggings. Mm -hmm. But after, like you said, after three wears, those $5 leggings are basically garbage versus spending $10 or $20 on a pair of leggings or secondhand leggings that are actually going to last the duration of your child's age in that leggings. You're actually spending less money over time because those $5 leggings, you got to buy like 20 of them to make it through the month. Particularly if you got two kids. Yes. And if those leggings had to be shipped all the way across the world, just think of the resources that are being used 
used up when instead we could all focus maybe on using things that are a bit better quality that aren't going to rip as easy and then passing those on so that they can be used for a really long time. Kaylee, one of the things we like to ask our guests as well is getting outside with kids is not easy and there are definitely challenges. We all have our patients tested by our kiddos. What are some of the things you learned quickly about having a kid in a tiny house, a kid who spends a lot of time outdoors in a tiny house? What were some of the mistakes you made right up front? You know, I'm sure there was a lot of mud. I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of mess. Oh, man. So at first, like, I'll just admit it. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what we were getting into. <laughs> the first time we were here and we sent our daughter out to play and she came back covered covered in mud, covered in sand, the filthiest I've ever seen. And I brought her inside. That was my mistake number one. If you can, and if your child is okay with it, take those clothes off outside. (laughs) Keep the dirt outside. I actually also, we have a mud bucket and this is where the dirty clothes from outside stay. And they go into the mud bucket and they stay outside until they can get rinsed out and then brought inside to the laundry. Do not bring muddy clothes in your house. (laughs) It will just spread. (laughs) There's no good that can come from having mud in the house and particularly not in a tiny house with a very active cat who we're looking at right now, who I'm sure would just run through the mud and take it all over the house. What's it like an inch in the house? It's everywhere. So keep it outside as much as you can. Some other things we, I learned, you know, when the kids are outside, they're going to need food. Do not send cutlery outside to the forest. You will never get it back. <laughs> you need snacks that can be held with muddy fingers and just shoved in mouths. Stuff that can just be put in pockets, you know, raisins that the kids can fill their pockets up and run out into the forest. Cheerios, you know, all those finger foods. But a yogurt with a spoon, you're not going to see that spoon again. Again, so do not send it outside. I lost too many spoons that way. So that was a learning experience. <gasps> oh, that's so funny. Things you don't honestly think about when you're not living in a tiny house. Don't send yeah. the spoons outside. I'm not sure how relevant it will be to all of our listeners. Uh, you know, main <laughs> no, takeaway, don't use <laughs> <laughs> it's so Don't true. Utensils out to the forest, <laughs> but I like the idea of simplicity, right? Like it's really keeping it as simple as you can, but functional. And you really want them to stay outside. The option there isn't come inside to use your utensil. It's like choose a different snack because we yes. want you outside, and we want you to stay out. Get outside, please. Stay outside, kids. Enjoy the beautiful whatever weather it is. There's this. I think it's a Norwegian saying. There's no bad weather, just bad clothing. And that is a hundred percent. As long as the kids are dressed well for the weather, they're going to have fun outside. It's when they're wet and cold, that's when they're going to want to come inside. So a well-dressed kid who has the, you know, some active snacks they can be running around and eating is going to stay outside for longer. And living in a tiny house, having the kids stay outside is always the goal. (laughs) And then, oh, One more tip I have for kids staying outside. When they want to come in, just say, I will set a 10-minute timer and we will circle back to that. And then in 10 minutes, they probably will have found something else that they want to do. And they're going to stay outside for another one, two hours, maybe. Genius. Do you have a timer (laughs) or do you just... I just put the timer. Oh, you do? Okay, you actually set the the timer. timer On my my, uh, phone. And they know the sound for it. So if they're close, they'll be like, oh, the timer went off. Does that mean we can come inside? But I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, they have 
just dispersed back into the forest and they have no interest in coming inside anymore. And then the next time they come to ask, I just set another 10 minute timer and then we do the cycle over again and they stay outside for hours that way. It's great. I love that 10 minute timer rule. I should say I do, you know, love having my child in the house with me. Like she's a a dream and a delight and she's just wonderful. But as we all know, kids have lots of energy and if they don't burn that energy off, then they're going to be bouncing on the couch. So many things to think about, Kaylee, you know, thinking about how you live in a really tiny house and you have far fewer things than, than we have in our house, but your kids are actually doing far more of the things that we want our kids to be doing than our kids are. So I think it's really interesting perspective. Um, I love your thoughts around secondhand clothing. There are some amazing things that you can find secondhand and we would encourage everybody to save the money where they can buying all their gear secondhand and to anyone on the Sunshine Coast or with friends on the Sunshine Coast to make sure you check out Kaylee's brand new business, Coast Kids Reshop. And thank you again, Kaylee, for being here. Um, I love the inspiration of just, you know, you're basically, you're like living a bigger life with less stuff. And I think it's just such a good reminder for all of us that our kids need far less stuff. They don't need another plastic toy. What they honestly need are some sticks outside. So if you're going to spend some money on your kids, spend that budget on making sure they are properly dressed, whether that's new clothes or secondhand clothes, if those are available in your area, because, you know, as Kelly has seen to her own child's development, just the amount of brain development and growth that can happen when they're able to explore and have more fresh air and be outside. We know that that's far more valuable than any kind of, you know, plastic toy that we can bring into our home. Um, So whether you're living in a big house or a small house in the city or the urban, any more access to nature that you give your children is always going to be a benefit. Uh, For more tips on getting outside, of course, listen to previous episodes of our podcast. And we're always sharing great tips and advice over on Instagram at Get Outside With Kids. We'll be linking to a lot of great things in our show notes today. So make sure you check that out as well. And we'll see you back next week. Make sure you subscribe to Get Outside With Kids wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Get Outside With Kids. We hope you'll follow along on our journey.